This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. We are joined by our friend Sean Davis. He is the co-founder of The Federalist. He's a fascinating piece up on thefederalist.com. No, Senate Democrats can't use the nuclear option to confer Merrick Garland. Sean, great to have you. Thank you for having me, Buck. It's always fun. Ah, okay, Sean. Wait, you're going to have to walk us through this one. There's a theory out there that's gotten some traction in at least the fever swamps of the left-wing internet that the Democrats, after losing this election and still not having the votes, can somehow slam in a Supreme Court justice before Trump takes office. Please tell us how this is supposed to go. Okay, so the theory here is that since every two years only a third of the Senate is elected, that at a magical point in time between the end of a previous Congress and the beginning of a new one, Uh, there are only 66 or 67 senators, that those uh, newly elected senators in the 2016 election, for example, don't become senators until uh, after a a point in time when Joe Biden, the president of the Senate, and the rest of the Senate agree to acknowledge them. And so with this in mind, the progressive fever dream to install Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court is that uh, once you have only those 66 senators in office, the ones who weren't elected or reelected in 2016, a majority of them are Democrats. So the Democrats could just seize the floor and they could uh, use some previous precedents to make everything a majority vote. And then at that point, 34 Democrats out of 66 senators would be able to confirm Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court, and there's nothing Republicans can do about it. Uh but fortunately, this is crazy, right, Sean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me that. Tell me that the goldfish crazy. are not going with them. No, no, it's completely crazy, and it's it's crazy for this um, document that people used to be familiar about that I refer to as the Constitution. Now, the Constitution oh, you silly man! Says, I know. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm so strange. You're clinging, you're clinging to the pa- clinging to vestiges of the past, Sean. Go ahead. I know, clinging to my dead documents. Anyhow, the, uh, the Constitution says that uh, a Congress ends precisely at noon on January 3rd, and a new Congress begins um, immediately after the previous Congress uh, uh, congressional term expires. So there's no magical gap in time here where a third of the Senate isn't really part of the Senate. That's the first one. The second one is that the 17th uh, Amendment states that every state has two senators. It doesn't say that every state has two senators except for this arbitrary indefinite amount of time between Congresses when anyone could basically commandeer the Senate to do whatever they wanted for an indefinite amount of time. That, that's not in the 17th Amendment. So, I mean, if you just look at the Constitution, it becomes clear that an individual becomes a senator uh, based on the votes of his electorate and the authority granted to him or her by the U.S. Constitution. Nowhere does it say that Joe Biden and a bunch of other Democrats have to acknowledge the fact that these people are senators before they become senators. The, the whole plan is just the most absurd example of progressive 
denial uh, about what happened in the election that I think I've ever seen. It's remarkable. Uh, yes, that's what I wanted to, wanted to ask you about next. It, it seems to me to be uh, different this time around, the degree to which the left is willing to essentially say anything just short of openly advocating like violence – uh, in order to keep Trump from being the president, should the Electoral College just decide to forget about, you know, their obligations and what the people did and just, you know, do their own thing? Oh, yeah, they want that to happen now. Should the popular vote matter, even though, as anybody can explain, and I, I don't know if we've discussed, I feel like, Sean, we might have talked about it. You certainly tweeted about it. If the elect- if it was all about massing votes, well, then the Republicans would spend a lot more time in New York and California than they do. Right. I mean, this is there's a, and also voters in those states would have different ideas about whether their vote counted or not. I mean, it's just it's a different race. Right. It's it's like saying, you know, are you trying to get to 21 first or is this a timed event? Well, it's one or the other. It can't be both. And I just feel like there is nothing that they are unwilling to trot out there and say in this continuing effort to try to make it seem like. Trump didn't win. I mean, he won. Whether you love him or hate him, he won. It's fascinating. Basically, everything they screamed that Trump would do before the election, he's going to mount a palace coup. He's not going to recognize the legitimacy of the election. He's going to try and steal it through voter suppression. Everything they accused Trump of doing when they thought Hillary was going to win is what they are doing right now. Every single thing. So they, they can't just acknowledge that, you know what, she lost fair and square. She lost under the established rules that everyone knew about. And she lost because in the people, uh, the people in the states uh, whose electoral votes added up to 270 just didn't like her that much. No, it's fake news. Or maybe it's Russia. Or maybe it's Comey. Or, or maybe it was racism. No, wait, maybe it was sexism. These people are in the midst of a collective mental breakdown, and uh, we're all getting a chance to see it uh, happen in real time. Oh, is, is the Electoral College thing still a lot? Are they still talking about that one? Oh, yeah, they're still talking about it. And, you know, people are still talking about how fire can't melt steel. I mean, these people have become completely unhinged, deranged conspiracy theorists of the highest order. After complaining that Trump was going to mount a palace coup and then saying after uh, he had appointed some retired generals uh, to serve in government that maybe he was working on a military coup, now they are working on their own literal coup of the Electoral College using leaked intelligence, um, the contents of which nobody has actually seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's another that's another we talked about this in the last hour. I keep bringing this up. People say, well, Trump has been mean to the intelligence community. Uh, senior officials. And that's the only those are the only people I know that no one's risking their career and possibly their clearance and more by going to The Washington Post, who has access to the Russia investigation, uh, who's not covered from the very top. And I mean, covered by like the White House, if need be. There's no way that they would be going to the Washington Post and sharing this information. And it's all meant to kneecap the Trump administration, very obviously. Oh, look, it, it, it's apparent reading between the lines of the Washington Post story that the source for everything they're saying is either a Democrat staffer or a Democrat senator who sat in on this briefing. It, it is patently obvious. And then there's this characterization that the CIA, the intelligence community, has officially determined – that is straight-up nonsense. Until they throw it in a press release and declassify it and send it to the whole world, the CIA or the intelligence community as an institution hasn't officially decided a single darn thing. Yeah, and this is what the media gets so upset. They keep saying, well, you, do you not believe Russia hacked? I said, no, I believe Russia hacked, but the why they hacked and the extent of the hacking and whether it had an impact, those are all open questions still. Those are not settled issues at all, and they like to pretend like they are. 
Well, and there's, there's another fascinating undercurrent here, which is the extent to which progressives really don't, they can't see the forest from the trees. So they're looking at all this, and they think that everything that happened with WikiLeaks um, and with hacking and all that, and about seeing if an old man who ran Hillary's campaign could get fished with the dumbest fishing expedition ever, they somehow think it was all about Trump. This was all done about Trump. It was all done about the 2016 election. And I'm sorry, if you think that, you've lost the plot. If you look at the history of direct, uh, directed measures or active measures games played by um, our geopolitical foes, they don't get involved in stupid little nitty-gritty stuff like that. What Russia is engaged in right now is swaying a large part of the American population um, to basically not buying the legitimacy of their own institutions. It's about creating a vehicle for Russian propaganda um, that Russia can activate in the future. 2016 was basically a test run for a very, very long-term um, propaganda and destabilization campaign by Russia. The notion that all they cared about was getting Trump elected is just stupid on stilts. Yeah, I also have to say that the the, the Hillary Clinton connections uh, to, the, to Russia, or really the Clinton Foundation connections to Russia, are every are, are very troubling. Everyone likes to use the word "they're troubling." You know, uh, you know, Bill Clinton was getting like eight hundred thousand dollar checks from Russians with Russian interests in America, uh, and nobody seemed to have a big. You know, that was not a big deal when Hillary was running at all. And yet, and yet here we are, and it really just boils down to there. There, there is a the not my president protesters that I saw on the street. That sentiment is actually shared in the newsrooms and at some of the sort of top left opinion journals and you know media outlets across the country. He's not their president. That's oh, it's not that he's a bad absolutely. president. He's not their president. Yep, and, and you know, by all means, let's investigate pernicious Russian influence in American uh, politics. Uh, but if we're going to do that, you're not getting away with starting that in about oh September of 2016. If we're going to look into Russian meddling in American governance, you better believe we are going to look at the sale to a Russian company uh, that gave that country 20 percent of the world's uranium reserves. We're going to look at who the person who ran that company was connected to. We're going to look at the fact uh, that the Clintons got millions from that company's principal, and we're going to look at the fact that Bill Clinton accepted half a million dollars for a speech in front of a, uh, a Russian investment bank with uh, deep ties to the Kremlin. We're going to talk about all the appearances uh, Clinton made as Clinton Foundation head with Vladimir Putin. We're going to talk about all of that. And if liberals think they're going to get out of this by only talking about WikiLeaks and only starting in fall of 2016, they're nuts. And by the way, not for nothing, two things that I think also get totally lost in all this. One, the WikiLeaks stuff... I guess the Democrats now admit, but we all knew it's all true. So the information that people were if if you were changing your mind based on what the uh, Russian you know document dump via WikiLeaks was, well, you're basing it on what is reality, which is the Democrats play dirty and are uh, essentially, you know, put one face out to the public when the reality what they're doing behind the scenes is something else. Um, And I also think a very small percentage of people even really cared about these things. We know I, in some ways, I actually sympathize um, with the Clinton people when it came to the WikiLeaks stuff. You can make anyone look like a monster by uh, selectively going through their email, their phone conversations. I mean, that was absolutely dirty pool. Um, even if it was reality, I don't think it was fair, but it happened. But let's look at something similar. The New York Times published Donald Trump's leaked tax returns. Okay, that's highly illegal. Uh, you're not allowed to go and leak somebody's highly confidential personal tax information. Yet the New York Times did it, and liberal reporters and progressive activists had field days with it. Gone was their concern 
uh, about the illegal source of the information. So the way I look at it, at it is, if you better be consistent. If you think uh, leaked, uh, illegally leaked or hacked information is bad, then all of it has to be bad. You don't get to play games and say, oh, oh no, 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 that stuff that I wanted out there was different. But that stuff that I didn't want out there, that doesn't count. Let's talk about Westworld for a second because just uh, we got a couple minutes here that I, I wanted to cover this because I, I agree with, with you in that it's J.J. Abrams' show. I think that guy is wildly overrated, by the way, or at least the projects he's involved in, a lot of them are wildly overrated. Uh, lost at the top of my list there. You say Westworld is lost with, is lost with robots. Uh, why, do you, why do you make that case? I mean, I would make the same case. Oh, I just man, want to hear was, your version. That, that was quite a transition there. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the, um, like the concept behind Westworld. You have these sentient robots. What are they going to do? The problem is that like, pretty much everything happened in the show was totally predictable. And you ended up with um, a scenario in there where no matter what happened, uh, the show's writers could always basically revise it by saying, oh, that thing you thought that happened, that was actually a robot. Uh, we tricked you. You thought it was a human, but it was a robot. Gotcha. Or if a robot did something and you thought, oh, no, the robot's sentient, um, what, what kind of implications does that have in the real world? They could come back and say, ah, uh-huh, tricked you. No, it was programmed to do that. It wasn't sentient at all. So I have used it as, as just a bunch of um, kind of cheap tricks used to manipulate the audience as opposed to uh, kind of an engaging story that um, was honest on its own terms. I also have to say I think that artificial intelligence movies in general – when you look back and reason, they're just for some reason they can't get the genre. They just stink. AI was was trash piled on top of trash. I mean, lots of these movies about how you know the sort of the, the, the singularity or you know digital consciousness or rather artificial consciousness coming real. I mean, I feel like the best one is Terminator with Skynet. <laughs> There's been like nothing good <laughs> since. I liked iRobot. I thought that one was. Pretty oh, good. I actually didn't see that one, so I can't I can't comment. But AI, I should have walked out on. Oh, yeah, I heard that was terrible. I never saw it. Uh, but you know, I think you can make AI interesting. Like, Michael Crichton kind of does that. So Westworld was based on an original screenplay of his. But he likes to take all this technology stuff and turn it into an exploration of human nature, which to me is really interesting. It's not all that interesting when it becomes kind of a uh, mystery reveal addiction where the writers kind of get off on just tricking you. Ha ha, we got you. You thought it was human, which is how I viewed Westworld after that. Yeah, I agree. It disappointed me. I got to also say, um, this is my problem with Pirates in the Caribbean as well, when they're at least, when they were ghosts and they're all sword fighting. I'm like, well, if you can't be killed, a sword fight is a pretty boring exercise. (laughs) And the same thing in Westworld. We're watching all these robots kill each other that can be repaired. And so how is there any drama? I mean, I know in the end, people, ooh, spoiler, people get killed too. But for like the first eight episodes, it's robots killing robots. I was like, who cares? It's like watching yeah, Rock'em Sock'em one robots. One of the things I wrote about is like you, you have to have real stakes, and robots dying aren't real stakes. And it, you can get people to suspend disbelief in your main concept, but they're not going to suspend disbelief if you're constantly breaking your own rules. Like you have to stay true to the universe you've created. You can't just go willy-nilly changing stuff around and expect people to stay invested. Totally agree. I say that a lot to Sean Davis. All right, Sean Davis is the co-founder of The Federalist. Follow him uh, at SeanMDAV on Twitter and uh, go to thefederalist.com to read his writing. Sean, great to have you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks, Buck. Take care. The Buck Sexton Show. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 